everybody. Welcome back to the Cosmic Car Wash podcast. Uh, very excited to be here. Um, oh, this is one of the highlights of our week. I know we say that every week. Um, I love having conversations like this with you, Rick. And, uh, you know, this is how we kind of talk to one another. We talk a lot about the kingdom of God. And uh, we've been friends for a long time, but this has actually brought us closer together, this excitement around what God is doing. Uh, what he's already, he's been up to for thousands of years, but we're, you know, latecomers to the party and just thrilled. So, um, yes. Yeah, this is good. So we're calling this one uh, Splinters, Logs, Dogs, and Hogs. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Thank you for the creative suggestion there, Rick. Um, but we're, we're taken from um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 6. And just as a bit of background, uh, we have talked many times on this podcast, and maybe we can even splice in the uh, scene from The Chosen, um, episode three of The Chosen uh, in the first episode, or sorry, season three of The Chosen. The, the first episode is a continuation of the last episode of season two, and Jesus is now preaching his famous Sermon on the Mount. And um, in the show, you know, of course, they don't, have him just recite it word for word. It's done very dramatic and very well, and they're cutting in different parts and showing the reactions of the people that were hearing him, both the crowds and his disciples, and even his mother Mary was there. Mm -hmm. And just really brilliant the way they've done it. I could go on and on forever about how great The Chosen is. Uh, if you haven't seen it, oh, I can't recommend it highly enough. Right. So anyway. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but one of the things that Jonathan Rumi, as Jesus uh, one of the lines that they did pick up is, uh, why do you pay attention to the speck in your friend's eye and you don't pay any attention to the log in your own eye? And I've heard that hundreds or thousands of times in my life. I've read it. I've studied it. I've heard it preached. But I love the way that Scripture is living and breathing. It is not an ancient um, obsolete document. It's it's alive and it continues to work on us and the Holy Spirit brings things to our attention. And uh, it just hit me all over again and uh, immediately was challenged in uh, just the ways that I approach people in my life, things that I get frustrated about, you know, little irritations with people. And I just heard the Holy Spirit say, why are you looking at the speck in their eye? You've got logs in your own eye, and I have, you know, sweeping character defects that God is working out in me and, and replacing uh, that old character with his character. And I think that's all part of, you know, what it means to follow Jesus. And, uh, you know, we see through the Gospels, and it's portrayed really well, again, in The Chosen, the, uh, the way the disciples come from all of their different uh parts of life and now we're starting to follow Jesus and learn his ways. And, and so that's where we're at. And just kind of wanted to dive in and, and take a look at what it means to um, deal with that speck in our eye and, and, uh, or deal with the logs in our own eye. And then, you know, Rick, you had some really great insight on uh, verse six, where Jesus continues his thought about uh, casting pearls to pigs and, you know, giving dogs what is sacred, etc. So um, maybe I'll just read those few verses and then we can kind of launch in. Rick will get your thoughts on uh, where you're going and, and we'll see where the conversation takes us. 
So uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 6, I'm reading from the uh, New Living Translation. So it says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. So... I know I've got some things, you know, based on commentary that I read and mm-hmm. uh, other scriptures that just kind of started popping in my spirit as you know we were as I was reading this. But uh, let's start with what God is showing you, and we'll go from there. All right, I'll give it a go. Uh, let me. I'm going right. to back it up just to verse from verse one. You started at verse three. Okay. And mine, mine is in the NIV, so a little a little different, but same message. And he starts, yep. this discourse starts, it's, these are not separate, his uh, um, sermons and parables are not divided by little headers, which we see in most Bibles today. And um, that's a uh, compliment to Schofield, correct? Who <laughs> did, I think yes. it was. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, so starts in verse one is, do not judge so that you won't be judged. That's pretty powerful right there in and itself. And then he goes on to say, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Um, I like Luke 6. Um, and uh, he uh, just to a little side side note here in Luke 6, uh, 37, do not judge, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Given will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This thing has been used for money for decades, if not longer, but it actually has yeah. to do something. Okay. So, anyway, let me get back to Matthew 7. Um, again, same thing. Why do you look at this splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye? And again, Jesus is looking at disciples and Pharisees and and, you know, I, I think I do love the chosen. I, I just love the portrayal and put skin on the gospel. It's absolutely uh, beautifully, masterfully done. So I can't say enough yes. about it. So let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clear to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs. Or toss your pearls before hogs or pigs. It doesn't say hogs, but it, it fits the title, dogs and hogs. Or they will trample them under their feet, turn, and tear you to pieces. So, yeah, the, the splinter and the and the log, um, I'm, I'm sure you probably checked Keener's commentary on this. And that whole discourse, yep. that would have caused his listeners to burst out laughing because it was so ludicrous. Right. Because log right. to you know, we look at that and, you know, uh, and, you know, Judeo Western Christianity and, uh, you know, okay. Yeah. We see the, just, you know, the whole metaphors and, and the parable, you know, um, but to them, that log meant like a beam in a house, the main support beam. So it was ludicrous. They would have laughed at at his, uh, comparison to that. And, um, you know, and I've said this before, um, but we have a tendency to do that. And what I find, I was thinking about it today and yesterday, 
putting some notes together, doing the same thing, praying about it and just looking at some commentaries and reading. And, and um, I, it comes back again to that. I've said before, a lot of people, we tend to judge other people by their actions while we judge ourselves by our intentions. Yeah. You know? And um, is what is interesting. If you, if you were to take a handful of brand new born again, spirit filled believers, I mean, brand new. They're just that had that revelation. I can remember back to my dad leading me to the Lord back in Rantoul, Illinois. And I, you know, and the revelation of Christ and it, it was profound, Paul. I know I've shared it with you. Yeah. It, it wasn't, I slipped my hand up and closed my eyes. It was uh breathtaking. I, I, that, I don't have words for it. It was life-changing. The right. the realization of what he had done was as real to me than I can ever imagine or describe. I I broke on my knees on my kitchen floor and I sobbed uncontrollably. I just sobbed. I couldn't stop bawling and crying and sobbing. It was a Damascus Road experience without the blinding or and I wasn't trying to kill Christians. It was just that that immediate turn. And when I got up, I was, I was a completely different person. I was completely different. I had, I mean, walked away from so much stuff. And in that moment, as you're growing and you're, you know, I'm getting into the Bible and I'm in church, you know, and you're so excited and who you used to be is so fresh and so close. Mm. So there's this incredible gratefulness you know, and humility of what God has done. And so you can't even imagine looking at another human being and, and, you know, thinking, you know, that splinter in your eye there. Well, look what you're doing. I, that was the furthest thing from my mind. I just wanted to be around Christians. I wanted to be around people who love God because of what he had done. But I find that the longer that we travel that road, the longer that people do have a tendency. And I, I was reminded as I was thinking about this, about a certain church back in Northern Illinois and the Chicago suburbs that had kind of a very militant edge to it. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. you're familiar, but you, we couldn't yep. have, we couldn't have bent elbows, you know, we couldn't right. worship with, because that was weak. So uh, we had right. to be strength and worship was strength. <clears throat> and we were, you know, I was a leader in the church. I was an elder. And uh, it was a far cry from that Monday morning in Rancho, Illinois, to being up in mm-hmm. uh, Chicago suburbs. But I can remember um, a moment. And I look back on it, and it really breaks my heart because of, look again, looking back. But I can remember looking, turning and looking at the congregation during worship and seeing who was worshiping like me. The looking, seeing who had belt elbows and how come, you know, and why are you doing it? You're sitting, who's sitting down and who's talking, right. who's not, who's not pressing in, you know, and, and, uh, it, it all came crumbling down. And now I look, I, yeah, it, it's heartbreaking to me that I became that guy. I became, yeah. you know, um, the, the splinter hunter. <laughs> splinter hunter. I became the splinter hunter while I was, you know, I had a log right here. I'm looking for splinters. I mean, you know, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, 
it, uh, I, you know, obviously it, I've come to some, uh, change <clears throat> and, um, uh, I started thinking about, uh, uh, you know, some scriptures, I, I mean, you get a splinter in your eye or a log in your eye, you're blind. Jesus, you know, said, yeah, how can the blind lead the blind? Right. Yeah, exactly. We're, you know, and we get so focused on the outer influences and what other people are doing um, that we render ourselves useless. And we're, right. we're like blind trying to lead the blind. And so, you know, focusing just on the splinter aspect of this, well, what is a splinter? Splinters come from logs. So what's so funny yep. is the comparison is that, you know, you're, you're trying to get the splinter out of your friend's eye when you got a log. Well, maybe they got the splinter from the log in your eye, you know, <laughs> just, right. there's a dozen different scenarios you could go. Then I started looking and thinking about some of the splinters from the heroes of faith and the, you know, mm -hmm. the cloud of witness, the great cloud of witness, my goodness, you know, what yeah. about David's splinter of lust that caused him to yeah. murder? Um, Cain's splinter of jealousy, uh, mm -hmm. Judas's splinter of betrayal, Peter's splinter of denial, uh, Paul's splinter of persecution. You know, the Bible's mm -hmm. filled with failures, splinters, logs, dogs, and hawks. <laughs> right. So um, I, I'm just going to kick it to you, and, and, uh, and we'll just keep going with this and see where it takes us. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that this passage does for me um, was to highlight how Jesus can take something that is really serious and deal with it in such a humorous way. And I think by doing that, um, you know, it, was a, it wasn't intentionally, like, not satirical, but he was being over the top in his analogy. Like you said, his crowds would have found it, you know, very humorous. Yeah. Um, and actually, there's a series of videos from the early 90s. I just heard them called the Matthew videos. It was, I think, at the time, the first word-for-word <clears throat> um, -word portrayal of the Gospels in the New International Version. And um, the actor who played Jesus' name was Bruce Marciano, which up to that time, before seeing Jim Caviezel's portrayal in The Passion of the Christ and now Jonathan Rumi and The Chosen, was an excellent portrayal of Jesus because he brought humor and he brought uh, just he really rounded out the character of Jesus. And, and anyway, um, but portrayed that scene on uh, the, the mountain where he was teaching or on the hillside where he was teaching the crowds. And he actually had like somebody's walking stick and held it up to his eye and was like, let me get the splinter out of your eye. And the crowds laughed, you know, and responded like, thank you, Jesus, that you can talk about really serious things, but do it in a way that, lets us know it's not beyond the scope of his help. Like he has the ability to help us with things, you know, with these things. And, and I think by doing it in a humorous way caused it to stick in their memory. So for right. as long as those people live, they never forgot Jesus's instructions about dealing with their own stuff before they deal with somebody else's stuff. And I love that you highlighted the, uh, the very real fact that we deal or we, judge ourselves based on our intentions and other people by our actions and and what Jesus is doing in the whole Sermon of the Mountain, really what he did through his whole ministry was to show the difference between the way the world thinks and the way things 
operated the kingdom of God. He was realigning our priorities and saying, this is how things operate in the kingdom of God. And there's always such mercy and such compassion. But, you know, when it comes to like, don't give your pearls to pigs or don't give, you know, things that are precious to you to the dogs, like it's serious too. Like there's, you know, very clear instruction there. And, um, you know, I love that he couches it in the whole, um, subject of judgment, you know, that we are judging other, the intention is that we judge other, others with mercy. It's kind of a derivation on the golden rule, do to others what you want them to do to you, judge others the way you would want them to judge you. Well, of course I want mercy and I want compassion because I know that I mean to do well. You know, Paul wrote it in Romans chapter seven, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. And so I'm just conflicted. And yeah, I want mercy and compassion. And so it's, I am beholden to the kingdom of God and to other people to just have so much mercy and compassion. Like, I love what uh, Steve Gray from World Revival Church said, you know, was that we just want to get people to Jesus and let him fix their problems. You know, it's not up to us to decide all that stuff for each and every person, but God is more than capable of dealing with the logs in our eyes and the speck in somebody else's eye. And uh, actually to kind of build on something that I heard him say once, um, which I think is incredibly profound and maybe we'll take this podcast in a, a different direction is Jesus didn't instruct us to deal with the log in our eye before he dealt, before God dealt with the log in his eye. And what that brought me to was, um, yeah, I think it's, oh, shoot, I thought I had recorded the verse. It's in Hebrews. Um, We came across it the other day when we were reading through it in our devotions. Uh, I think maybe Hebrews chapter 10. But uh, it says in there that God didn't desire sacrifices, you know, and it was prophesied early, I think, in Psalm chapter 4. I forget which of one of the Psalms, but yeah, it says like uh, sacrifices and, and offerings you did not desire. Um, and as I was reading some commentary on that really gelled with where I felt like God was already kind of leading me is that God had a sin problem that he had to deal with. And what he always wanted all along was obedience and cooperation. Um, but we sinned, we being Adam and Eve, and, you know, by extension, the rest of us sinned and broke that fellowship with God. But he's always been about repairing and restoring that. And he needed, he knew all along that he was going to have to come himself and deal with that sin problem because, you know, mm-hmm. animal sacrifices could never, ever deal with our guilty conscience. And scripture says that explicitly on many, in many places. But God had to deal with that log in his own eye. So he allowed something to go on to set a picture and to set the stage for Jesus. It wasn't his best, but it got us to Jesus. And then in Jesus, God dealt with the log in his eye so that now he can deal with the speck in our eye, which is our individual sin. He comes and he works with us and he has so much mercy and so much compassion. And uh, there were, um, okay, this, yeah, this is, I'm looking at the wrong set of notes here. Um, yeah, sorry. It was uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse eight. 
uh, was where Jesus said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burn offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. And it was in Psalm chapter 40 where that was first uh, prophesied, you take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Um, and this is actually a prophecy about Jesus. Uh, I finally understand. Then I said, look, I have come as it is written about me in the scriptures. I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. And uh, Samuel said it to King Saul. Uh, what's more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Well, we we couldn't obey God because we were always fighting against that fleshly nature. But God dealt with that in Jesus. He dealt with it through the cross, which maybe not accidentally is, that is a big log. It's a, it's a big, it's a beam. God dealt with the beam in his own eye in order to deal with the splinter in our, and I just thought that's so, so amazing and so good of God to put himself through that torture and that torment. You know, one of the things that I love you and I have discovered over the last couple of years is that God wasn't up in heaven pouring out his wrath on Jesus like they were separate. God was there on the cross in Jesus, keeping his own punishment for sin on himself. God dealt with our sin in himself. And scholars and theologians may debate that, but, you know, he's a good father and no good father, you know, heaps punishment on a perfect son. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to get into Anyway, I feel like maybe I'm talking out of my place, but, you know, God dealt with that sin. He heaped that on himself, and that's how I think God dealt with the log in his own, his own eye, and now he can see clearly to deal with the splinters in our eyes. So, Yeah, he dealt with the log by hanging on the log. Yes. You know, it's very profound. You know, and thinking about these sermons – because it's easy to, to look at them, you know, what, 2,000 years later and and read between the lines and see them through our our Western filters and doctrines and, and uh, those things. And um, a lot of times I think that things get lost in translation. Um, they become they become a little uh, passive, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and neat little stories. But you know, trying to look at it from the perspective of the people that is standing in front of him, because there was, he always, he attracted huge crowds. You know, yeah. we've talked about the press. There was constantly people pressing in people that were following for one reason or another, whether they were his disciples or whether they wanted a sandwich or the cable was out or they were, you know, fuzzy faced theologians, you know, looking to shred everything that he said. Well, they're dealing with, well, he's dealing with these people as well as trying to help the people in front of him. He's got people that are genuinely looking for help and looking for answers. You know, they're living under this incredible um, uh, oppression from the Roman government. They're being taxed to, to death on everything. And in the meantime, they have to deal with the Pharisees and the religious leaders that are, you know, constantly pointing out the logs in their eyes, you know. Oh, yeah. And just being so, um, to you know, on just to the letter of the law. And, and uh, I, I do, I love the the emotion that uh, Dallas Jenkins has brought to the chosen and that tension between yeah. the Pharisees. And, you know, what is... Um, 
I guess a little unsettling and disturbing is that that's not gone away. It still prevails that attitude and, and uh, just the way that people are, you know, they're more um, uh, aligned and um, allegiant to their, their particular flavor of the month, their doctrine, their denomination, Mm -hmm. you know, um, even the translation of the Bible that they use. And, and we, it's so easy sometimes, you know, a log doesn't always have to be a log. You know what I'm saying? It can just, um, Mm -hmm. just the littlest thing can become much, much bigger than it needs to be. So he's dealing with that as well. And, um, and, and the, and, you know, the whole perspective of the dogs, you know, and we yeah. live in a we live in a culture now where dogs have become almost like little four legged four legged gods. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure the dog community would yeah, boo. I know. <gasps> How dare you? People, people. Then dogs were not pets. Right. People did not have dogs for pets. They were just wild scavengers. And um, in Keener's commentary, he talks about. Dogs during that time were, uh, they were just mean and scavengers and they would growl. Um, uh, they were known to growl at people who tossed them food as well as those who ignored them. So either way, you know, whether you hear, hear boy, you know, and if you just ignored them, so it didn't matter. That's, those were, that's, those were the dogs then. So for Jesus to say this to the people listening to him, yeah, can you imagine saying that in church? Don't preach to people who are dogs or, or you know, or hogs. Uh, I mean, that's controversial. That's, you know, well, not, not that we're going to do that, but he was making a comparison because there were people like that then. And, he, you know, I, I mean, he didn't mince his words. I mean, he told, he called the Pharisees, um, the vipers and they were so offended by that because the you know baby snakes eat their way out of their mother on the viper and then he called them whitewashed tombs who scour the earth to make disciples twice the sons of hell that they are twice the sons of hell getting in their face oof yeah they got in their beeswax so this is who he's trying to preach to the people that really need the help but he's also got this antagonistic, hateful, spiteful group of religious, staunch, stiff-necked, starch-collared religious bigots who uh, yeah. are uh, looking at every, you know, finding every log in his words and, you know, every splinter. But in the meantime, you know, they're, they're carrying around posted beams. Um, so... And, you know, pigs, don't throw your pearls for pigs. Again, this would have, every Jew he's talking to would have been, what is he talking about? Because Jews didn't have pigs. Right. Yeah, they were unclean according to Mosaic law. There were no pig farmers. Right. I mean, Janet, my wife, her dad was a hog farmer. You know, he he farmed cattle and he farmed hogs too. And and they ate well. But, you know. um, Yeah. Yeah, that would would not have flown for um, you know first century Christians and Jews. Yeah, well, you know, so 
we were to kind of tie the hogs and the the beam conversation together because for Jesus it was all one thought in the same uh, discourse where he called Pharisees sons of the devil and right. uh, you know really provocative uh, names like that he did not like you said he did not mince words um, he highlighted the fact that uh, they tie up heavy burdens on people's shoulders and then don't lift a finger to help them. And mm-hmm. Jesus's ministry was all about opening the kingdom of God to people that formerly had been shut out, you know, the poor women, children, you know, Gentiles, etc. And so, yeah, he really threw open the doors to the kingdom of God where the Pharisees zero compassion on them. And uh, again, to go back to the chosen, I thought it was portrayed really well in one scene during season two, where uh, the Pharisees, a few of the Pharisees are kind of debating on which laws take precedent over others when you compare them to one another. And, and uh, one of the Pharisees who was um, kind of the second in command for one of the higher ranking Pharisees said, well, you know, don't you see how some of these laws really become burdensome for the people? And I think, you know, maybe some of them understood that we need to rethink the way we look at the law because it's becoming contrary to what God originally intended was for us to partner with him and for the whole kingdom of God to be open. And uh, so, yeah, just that, throwing our pearls to pigs and sharing, you know, what's sacred with the dogs. Um, Yeah. Was that Jesus's way of kind of getting in the face of the religious establishment that had closed the doors of the kingdom of God to people who wanted and needed to get in, you know? So, right. I I don't know. Yeah. You know what? It's it's a very good point. Very good observation. But uh, what's interesting as you were talking about, I was thinking the Pharisees, they loved their position. They loved it. They lorded it over the people. And um, the um, you're right. They put those heavy burdens on the people that they knew they could never accomplish those things. And, um, and they didn't want them to, because they did not want to give up their seats of honor. Jesus addressed this over and over. no, No way. And when Jesus came in and gave this to everyone, he threatened their seats of honor. He yep. threatened that. And, you know, I was thinking this morning as I was doing my little prayer walk and, and, um, I'm thinking about just a, a, your typical Sunday church service that people come from all, you know, we've had a lot of new people coming mm-hmm. and going and, uh, you know, there's a lot of them. I don't know their names yet. I, I, I know very little, if anything about them. And so we all come and gather in this sanctuary in Ebony, Virginia, and um, and um, for ninety minutes, maybe you know, between an hour and a half to two hours, and then that's it. Then we're gone, and we don't see each other again till the following Sunday. What an environment that can go one of two directions, um, of splinters and logs. Okay, and it's and I think it's easy sometimes, just especially over a period of time, and and your whole church service and your whole relationship with God and and with the people of God is boiled down to ninety minutes a week. Right. So you don't we we know nothing about each other. <clears throat> so I think it's easier in that environment to look across the sanctuary and see somebody over there, 
and and maybe think, you know, uh, man, they have no idea what it's like to be me, mm-hmm. you know, silver spoon and, you know, nice clothes. They don't have to worry. And I'm, you know, busting my hump and working two, three jobs. I can't make ends meet. And, and uh, you know, and that we start, you know, there's splinters and the logs and really it's, they're all splinters and they're all logs. And it, it comes down to <clears throat> what John said, they will know you by your love. They will know the love of God by your love for one another. Yeah. And I think the easiest, you know, cause I started thinking about, okay, so how do you get a splinter out of somebody's eye? You know, well, first of all, you got to be very surgical. Delicate. Delicate, yeah. knowledgeable. You got right. that big, you know, doctor's light on your head with the big magnifying glass and and get the person to be calm and keep their eye open and then pull the splinter out. That's a lot of work. Yeah. And uh, in the natural. So in the spirit realm, and I started thinking, it's it's always love. Yes. John said yeah. that. They will know you love God because you love each other. And we want people to come to our churches with their logs, with their splinters, even with their pet dogs and pet hogs, you know, and bring them all. Yeah. We want them to come. It doesn't matter. We want them to come, but they won't stay if they're not loved. They won't stay if they don't, if they don't see it. Right. And you don't have to tell people they're loved. If they're loved, they'll know it. Yep. Yeah. I I would rather not. Yep. Uh, Yeah. Don't tell me, show me. Yeah. Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. Show me you love me by how you love everybody else in this building. There we go. And uh, yeah, yeah, that, you know, there's so many different, you know, plans and models and, um, you know, worksheets and Excel spreadsheets on how to build a bigger church and, you know, fill the seats and all those things and the programs and the building programs and all the classes and get people plugged in and involved, get them invested. And, you know, and it, it almost becomes a club, you know, right. an, op, an optimist club, but you still have that, you, uh, of that separation and that, that um, dividing line. And I truly would like to see and be a part of, of that church, that building that never has to lock its doors because they're always open and there's always people praying because there are more than a group of people of, uh, numerous people that, um, don't care but the splinters and the logs and the dogs and the hogs, they just want to love God and they want you to experience that love. And and they don't, they're not going to force you. They're not going to drive you. Shepherds lead dogs drive. They're going to stand alongside you and love God. And they're going to love you. And you're going to know that you're, you're right. You know, you're never going to have to tell them. And um, I think that is the only way. And, and I, you know, and I think when you're in that environment and you are struggling with things like that, if people are, you know, they're new to, they're maybe new to the church, maybe new to Christianity, you know, right. And, uh, in that environment, you know, to where it's just overwhelming and breathtaking, like what happened to me. And, um, 
you're going to tell people, look, I, I'm struggling with this. How do I deal with that? Can you help me? I mean, they're yeah. truly going to be broken and emotional. And um, again, it's love. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. love. And uh, I, that's, that's what I want. That's what I see, I guess. Yeah. Is that. And I think this is maybe this whole podcast really is for is a message for those of us who have found ourselves in church for a long time. You know, you you called it out earlier that at the beginning when, you know, your salvation was brand new, you could never imagine looking at somebody else and trying to nitpick their stuff. But the further we get away from that, maybe it's just natural, you know, but we need the Holy Spirit's help and we need the help of others to stay close to that conversion, that moment when everything was made new and we saw people through the eyes of God's love. Like we got to stay close to that. We got to stay uh, close to the fact that we're always until Jesus returns and sin is fully dealt with, we're going to continue to deal with those logs in our eyes and never lose sight of that and how much compassion and, and mercy we want from others as we're dealing with our stuff. We take that same compassion and mercy to them and, to, you know, to Jesus's point, you, you judge others the way that you want to be judged. I want to be judged with a lot of mercy and a lot of compassion because I need help. I think that's why God is always commanding the Israelites to build altars of remembrance Yeah, over and over. They were scattered all over and uh, they took their sons and their sons took their sons and sons and sons and sons and just yep. generation after generation, they took them to the altars of remembrance and they told them about every stone and everything that God did and his goodness and his greatness and his mercy and his yes. rescue and his restoration and his revival and his repair and his protection and his peace. And, and yes. all of those things were all wrapped up in those stones. So there was a constant reminder and you're right. I have to remember those things and phew, I don't want to get emotional, but I have to, uh, I have to remember that. Yeah. And, um, because yeah, everybody has that, that, that day, that moment, that point of reckoning when their life changes. And, uh, I think it is paramount in the church that there is, there is a hard and fast, Follow up. There is programs. There's, you know, a, a, um, a not a gentle, but an elementary, but not, you know, childish or insulting. But let's get the basic, and you're in a safe place, and let's learn, and and so we can yeah. talk about what happened, and and so to prepare people, you know, because yeah. looking back at that moment, Paul, um, I never, I never looked at my old friends as. <laughs> Losers, you know, <laughs> not for one moment. My heart was yeah. broken, you know. Yeah, I mean, I had people tell me to shut up and go away <laughs> because I just wanted to tell them about Jesus and what yeah. happened to me. This is real, it's genuine. I mean, yeah. I literally turned around, I was a lead singer in a rock and roll band, man. Big fish in a little pond playing all over the state of Illinois and Indiana. and you know, making money and having fun. And, um, yeah, I got Jesus and I knew I couldn't keep doing that. Right. And so I literally walked away with tons of bookings and everything. And, and every, and so I turned a lot of heads. I was very lonely for yeah. quite some time because that, yeah, I walked away from everything. 
People thought yeah. I lost my mind, but I didn't lose my mind. I found my heart. Yes. Ooh, that's and uh, so that's all I, that's all I did. Just told people about Jesus. And uh, what's funny is years later, decades later, a guy reached out to me. It's not long ago, a year ago or so, two years maybe, within the last two years, sent me a message and told me, and I never knew this because I just wanted to tell you how, what that meant to me and what you did. You walked away from everything because he lived in the town and, and you, that you followed Jesus. He goes, that, that changed me. And I never knew that, you know, and, um, those are how you remove splinters and logs that never forgetting, never forgetting. And, um, and that way it, it, um, there's always going to be dogs and hogs, you know, and uh, I think they need to be treated with the same mercy that because before Jesus, dude, <laughs> I was a dog and a hog. Hotness, <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, I was a dog and a hog, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, I think as long as you're vertical, you know, vertical and ventilating, yep, you you can be saved. There's hope, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, if uh, if you're watching this and you identify with this, if you're like, yeah, I've got some serious logs in my eye and you're looking for a place uh, where you will be received with love and compassion and tenderness, because we realize we have logs and we have been dogs yeah. and hogs. Uh, <laughs> please reach out to us. Um, yeah. Info at CosmicCarWash.com. Uh, post comments here in the video. Um, you like the video, would love it if you would subscribe. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we are not scholars or theologians. We're just two guys who love Jesus and who, yeah. man, every day he is working on us every day. He is compassionately helping us get those splinters out of our eye. And it's the joy of our lives, uh, to do the same. Yes. Yeah. And, and God is not mad at you. Like Amen. he will remove those splinters with no anger whatsoever. It's like, it's all about yeah. like love. a good father would sit on the porch with his son or his daughter with some tweezers and gently pull it out and comfort you and kiss your boo boo. You know yep. I mean? Yeah, I think of my own <laughs> yeah. daughter, and uh, yeah, he's not mad. He poured out his wrath at the cross and he didn't fill it back up. So, yes. All right. Cool. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Appreciate uh, all of your connection with us. We'd love to hear from you, and we will see you again next week. Later.